When you're not opening presents this holiday season, try smashing your way through some tricky chocolate-coated levels on Candy Crush Saga. In between dinner and dessert, switch and match. During one of Uncle Mike's long stories, master the candy. There are thousands of levels to play in the all-time favorite classic match three game. Get that sweet feeling this holiday with Candy Crush Saga. Download it now from the App Store or Google Play for free. What's up, fellow Wakanda-ites? In the vein of money is power and February is Black History Month. Two black guys with good credit decided to pull these two ideas and check in on the state of black money power. That's right, black money power. Sit back and pot up. Black power, money power. Let's go. With good credits. Big Sean, why are we talking about black power, money power? Well, Arlington, unlike you may not know, it's Black History Month, the shortest month for the longest history. I'm all black panthered up. It's black power time, time to show black finance excellence. I'm excited about this show. Let's talk about my ancestors. Let's get it popping. I'm with you on the shortest month, my brother. And for our audience, we want to let you know this show is about where the black community is or is not, what we are doing or not, how we think or not. This show is about where we are as a community, period. So sit back. It's going to be a wild ride. Matt, take us away. Thanks, Arlington. Creating career opportunities for yourself is easier than you think. The workplace is changing fast, and BlackFreelance.com will help you build a flexible and profitable freelance business that will change your life. Freelancers around the world are out-earning and out-enjoying their employed counterparts in skill sets like writing, web development, accounting, legal work, and more. You can do the same at BlackFreelance.com, the community-based platform focused on meeting your needs as a black, independent professional. Organizations of all sizes, from local nonprofits to global Fortune 500 companies, are ready and excited to work with independent professionals like you. Whether you want to earn extra money towards retirement or reinvent your career, make that change today at blackfreelance.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We are talking black power, money power. You know us, Two Black Guys is the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. And as we do right about this time, Dion, the lady with the facts, can you give us a little history on black power, money power in these United States of America? Arlington, you know I'm always happy to oblige. Thank you, Dion. You're very welcome. So I'm going to throw a little trivia at you first, though. When I say that, okay, so when I say the phrase Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. what do you think? What comes to mind? Well, I know that there was a thriving community back in the day, and I believe they were associated with that name. Okay, Sean. That's my answer. Oh, okay. Final answer. Sean, I'm throwing that to you. No, 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 no. Arlington, if you want to be on this show, get the facts right. I think back to a long, long time ago, back in 1996, when I took steps on Wall Street of New York, and I was walking down Wall Street, and I saw another black guy. Right. And he saw me. Right. And we nodded at each other. And that, to me, signified the beginning of the renaissance oh. of, of Black Wall Street. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I'm right, but I know he's definitely wrong. I second that. Ding, ding, ding. Arlington, you win. Um, Thank you, Dion. You're very welcome. Uh, I think a little biasism over here. <laughs> In 1921, during the oil boom, Greenwood, Oklahoma, a suburb of Tulsa, was the type of community that African Americans till this day are attempting to reclaim and rebuild. It was known as one of the most prosperous African American communities in the United States, also known as Black Wall Street. A thriving, modern, self-sufficient town where the hotels, the cinemas, the banks, they were wholly owned by black people. Nice. Yes. Let's just say Tulsa only had two airports. Meanwhile, six families owned their own private jets. And 19 what? 1921? 1921. Tragically, it was also... (laughs) (laughs) Although tragically, it was also the site of one of the bloodiest, most horrendous race riots and acts of terrorism in the United wow. States that yep. they've ever seen. Yep. A small town was attacked, looted, literally bombed, and burned to the ground. Wow. 
And this is just one of many incidents in history. That's that, true. Yeah, that just, it makes me think of the mistrust many blacks have uh, towards banking, uh, the whole conversation around wealth disparity. Um, we, ha- we have our Oprahs, you know, right. we have our Bob Johnsons, we have mm-hmm. our Beyonce's and our Tyler Perry's. Our Sean Lindas. Our Sean Lindas. <laughs> Yet today, they still say it will take about 228 years for a black family to accumulate as much wealth as its counterparts to bridge the economic gap. Wow. 228 years? Wow. This, this is why we have to do this show, people. I mean, we're going to say some great things. We're going to see some things that may be shocking for everybody to hear, but I, the truth must be told today. It's Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And you know what, Dion? Black Wall Street was an important time in American history. And the thing that I wish is that we had the Black Wall Street mindset to this day. Because generally speaking, at the moment, we are not looking, we're not living a lifestyle that looks to our financial future and benefits us long term. We kind of have a now mindset. And it's a way of thinking that's just not beneficial to us. It's actually very crippling. Yeah. So we're not, our, in our now mindset, we're spending now. We're not saving now. Mm-hmm. We're not investing now. We're not owning now. We're not generationally minded now. We're not setting up anything for the future. We're just trying to buy that car now, get those rims now, get that TV set now, get that PlayStation now. I'm just, just to add to what Arlington is saying, I want everybody to listen carefully to what we're saying right now. We're talking the black community in its totality. Like Dion mentioned, there has been individual success that we've mentioned, that we highlighted, the Baracks, the LeBrons, the Jay-Zs, individually. But as a community, as a group, as a race, we have not progressed. And we're doing exactly what they want us to do. We are consumers. As a race, we are consuming. And, you know, we got a lot of these facts today, people, from the Federal Reserve. So it's unbiased facts. And you can all research them yourself to see these statistics and facts. And one of the things I found that was most shocking is that, you know what our average household income is, Arlington, Dion? Do you know what it is? No, but I know it's a lot lower than most people think. I couldn't believe it. This, this almost fell me off my chair. And everybody listen to this. I want everybody to pay attention. The average black family in the United States and America in 2018 makes $17,000. Okay, that's net income. Okay, now let's, let's drill down this number even further. Is that before or after taxes? I, I would assume it's after, but this is the most shocking part. If we take away our prized possession in the black family, anybody know what our prized possession is in the black family? Does it sit on four shiny rims? It sits on four shiny rims. It's a car, a depreciating asset. It's one of those one things you don't even want to own. So if we take away the average cost of the car that the black family owns, which is $4,160, we have a net worth of... $13,000. That's all we have minus our car. While our counterparts, we're going to use the word counterparts, their average household income is what? Does anybody know? It's a lot higher. 33 times higher. And if those are those. Say 10 times. No, 33 times. If those that can't do the math, their average net household income is $137,000. Now, if that is not shocking to those that are listening today and those don't need to wake up and understand what consumerism has done to us and where we're not. I think that's been, technically less. Uh, a little over 10 times, a little less than 10 times. So that's it. Well, we have some work to do. Um, <laughs> Not 33. <laughs> but I will say that I can see some of what's contributing to this. So they're saying in the 21st century, right. many blacks still don't possess bank accounts. We're unbanked. Yeah. So they're relying on check cashing services, prepaid debit cards, Jeez, cash apps on their cell phones. Uh, Prudential uh, did a research survey. Hold on a second, Dion. Didn't we talk about check cashing in a previous we show? We did. We did. Like, you work all week and you pay a man to transfer your check into cash. So you give him your money to do this when you could just go to a bank and they'll do it for free. Yeah. But again, it's this mistrust for the banking system. I think that just so is so deep-rooted. Mm-hmm. But think about it. If you're carrying your money on you, Right. Aren't you going to be quicker to spend it than save it? For sure. So that's already, you know, um, propelling the situation yep. or exacerbating the situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of where this consumer behavior comes from, right. um, being financially defrauded in the past. Um, they've just, we've grown more, re- you know, relying, we've grown more um, reliant on tangible items. 
right. to show our worth, right? Cars, TVs. You know, an appliance. You know, when you get your big check, you go out and buy a, you know, a motorcycle. Um, in other words, we feel we're more secure when we spend our money on things that we can see. It's unfortunate that uh, people that we aspire and look up to are help propelling that. The rappers, the musicians, the artists are showing this that, hey, to be to show success, you have to wear it. And I think that is so untrue. And, you know, I, I know you're the lady with the facts, but some of these facts, I just, it just boggled my mind. And one of them was that one in five blacks have a value of zero or negative zero. That means you took five black people in the room. One of us is worth nothing or zero, like, less than nothing. We have no value. And now if we want to, you know, we want to end this, 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 this continuous cycle of not gaining anything as a community, as a race, not as an individual, we have to start thinking different. We have to start creating generational wealth. I mean, I sat with a young man this morning that listens to our show, and one of his first questions I was so impressed was, how do I build generational wealth? It wasn't about him. It was about how do he build for the future. And he has no kids, and he's 21. And, and that's the mindset that we want people to have after this show. That should be your first question. Look. People, I hate to be the pylon guy because it seems like <laughs> this is just going down a dark rabbit hole. But the reality, Dion touched on it. You know, when we come into a huge check, think of that tax season check. It comes in, you know, everybody's waiting for it. Instead of thinking how we can grow it, we're just thinking how we can spend it. So we're running off to the mall. We're getting the fly outfits. We're doing whatever it is that we're doing, but we're not growing that money. And one of the things that is a challenging statistic to be aware of is that black people in America, and I hate to keep saying black people in America, like it sounds like it's only black people in America, but we warned you at the top of the show, this show is about us. So we're, you're going to be hearing black people in America over and over because we're talking to you as being part of you. So we are living in the highest levels of poverty in the country. But we spend four times as much money as any other race in the country. Let's simplify this point. So we have our President Donald Trump at the table. We have Jay-Z at the table. We have Arlington Forbes at the table. We have Sean Linda. And then we have, um, and then we have Oprah at the table. You know who's spending the most at that table? Arlington Forbes. Does that make sense? <laughs> Does that make sense that Arlington is spending more than me? <laughs> spending more than Oprah? Spending more than Jay-Z? Now, I don't know. I see how he vaulted himself in. There's two and black Oprah guys. status. There's two black guys with good credit. I mean, I'm, I'm alone on my team. side of the table. Okay, so when the cheese on the side with Jay-Z and Oprah. When the check comes around for the who's paying the dinner bill, Arlington's stepping up and be like, I got it, Oprah. I got it, Donald. <laughs> I got it. As crazy and sideways as that analogy <laughs> It is actually a very true point. The person with the least amount of money is spending the most. And the question becomes, why? And the truth is, I've been out to dinner with people that when the bill comes around, a guy that I know who may, things may not be going so well, will volunteer to pay the bill. And I'm looking at him like, why are you volunteering to pay the bill? And then there's guys I know, like Sean, who have deep pockets, and he's scratching his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> looking at his cell phone like, yo, I got to go, I got to go. But the reality is sometimes we're, we're often spending what we don't have so true. to impress people that it's not important. That's not the important thing. And so, like I said, I don't want to be the piloner, but... We got to think about that. You, you can't know. spend the least. You can't have the least and spend 4%. I have a very you know, important story, you know, a true story, um, all jokes aside. When I started working at Chase Bank in 96, we got offered options. And anybody know what stock options are? It, it gives you the right to exercise certain stock when it hits a strike price. And our strike price for arguments of this state was $100. So it took us about a year before it got to that strike price. And once it got to that strike price, the value of our stock was this safe argument say was $10,000. My training class consisted of about 25 of us, half white, eight black, the rest mixed um, Spanish and Asian and so forth. I remember clearly that day when we hit the strike price. I'm not exaggerating the truth. 
the whites were chilling. There was no, it was no big day. There was no balloons, no celebrate. The blacks were like, all right, we got the strike price. We got the strike price. We can sell. And the blacks were taking trips. I remember one guy bought a motorcycle, buying cars, paying bills, cashing in right away. Now, did I cash in, Arlington? Ask me the question. Did I cash in? Sean, did you cash in? No. Why didn't I cash in? You know why? And I, I have to be honest. It wasn't because the, I'm this financial literate guy. It was, I didn't cash in because I really just had nothing to spend the money on at that time. I was living with my brother. I was paying minimal rent. I had no expenses. So I was like, you know, I didn't cash in. When I finally left Chase and I was forced to sell my stock, that stock went from $10,000 to $40,000. Right. And that was the first, that was, gave me the money to buy my first property. Had I not cashed in, had I cashed in that, I wouldn't be here telling this story today. Well, I think that's what's a great point is mm-hmm. that when you live in the now, you don't have those opportunities to leverage because you're constantly spending. And if you're, if you're saving those tax checks and you're compiling them, you will end up having that lump sum of money that's often needed to move life forward in a significant way. Exponentially. And that's what, that's what this show is about. It's like, yes, we've piled on and made it heavy on the top, but the reality is you need to have those lump sums. You need a hand up. People need bonuses to be able to buy a house. They need some generational wealth. They need a bit of an inheritance. You need these things in life to make those large purchases. And I love that word you just said, and it's not talked about enough in our community. And that word is inheritance, okay? As, as when we did this show, I realized the importance and the value of inheritance. And, you know, if you don't be self in your life and just live for you, live for the next generation, okay? Exactly. And my I mom, for the now. God rest her soul, she had life insurance policies. And those life insurance policies that we cashed out allowed my sister to buy an investment property in Barbados that's making money for her today. Yeah. Allowed me to renovate the property that I bought in Barbados that was losing money and convert it from a house into apartments that's now making money. Right. And those things are going to carry you from generation out. to generation. So if you can't do enough for yourself, do something for the next generation. Do not live that selfish life. No, that's very true. And, you know, you need a hand up. Because if we're going to own businesses, where's that money going to come from? Because as it stands right now, we're 2 to 4% of the business landscape in America. 2 to 4%. We're over 13% of the population and 2% of the business owners. It's, there's something missing. And so with these businesses as well, we own small businesses, but we own small, small businesses. Most of our businesses have one or fewer employees. So mom and pop, not even, not even mom and pop, just mom, just mom, just mom and just pop. (laughs) And so the reality is our businesses, they have little impact because we're not hiring people. So we're not able to create jobs and circulate those dollars through the community. And it's that sense of inspiration and role modeling that's being lost. So if you're not seeing businesses owned by black people, you're not thinking about owning Black Wall Street, we got to get it back, people. Well, the, uh, the reality is, Arlington, according to the 2017 Federal Reserve Report, blacks are half as likely to own a business. If you don't see it, you're not going to achieve and it. And don't tell me we don't have the money. Yes, and don't say we don't have the money. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> when people say we don't have the money, this show is about telling you we have the money. It's just what are you doing with it? Hey, people, it's two black guys with good credit. We know you kind of, we kind of hit you on the head in that first segment. Don't give up on us. We're not just beating our people down. We're just sharing the truth. We're giving you the stats. And as Dion says, the cold hard facts. Matt, take us away. We'll be back. Two black guys with good credit. We're talking black power, money power. Let's go, people. This commercial break is brought to you by Canvas Malibu. Canvas Malibu is a boutique and contemporary art gallery located in Malibu, California. At Canvas Malibu, it starts with art, and their curated offering of shoes, apparel, accessories, and art are a definite must-see. Canvas Malibu is located in the Malibu Country Mart or online at canvasmalibu.com. Black guys! Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We're talking black power, money power, people. So yeah, the first block was a little rough. Yeah, we're, you know, we got to lay it out the way Give it is. Give up the Band-Aid. Yeah, pe- Exactly. We got to yank it off, Dion. We're making the money. We just may not be spending it in the right spots, and we're going to keep it moving and show show you some of the things we need to do. It's a mindset, people. Change the minds, and the money will follow. Nice. Um, but just to bring it back, yeah. approximately 21 banks in this country are owned by black people, are, are black-owned. Black-owned, yeah. That totals about $4.7 billion. 
Okay, that sounds like a big number, doesn't it? That totals like mad low. There's 50, okay, so 52 states, 21 banks. That's not a lot of banks. All right, so then if you really break it down, that's 0.43% of black Americans' $1 trillion in buying power. So where are we putting our money? Um, and that's a report from the University of Georgia C-League Center of Economic Growth. Uh, just to put into perspective, in 2007, pre-recession, we had 41 black-owned banks. Yeah. That's pretty Lost almost half. Half. Well, that's crazy. And like you said before, 55% of black Americans are unbanked, Mm -hmm. which that's you just not going to a bank, or underbanked, meaning there's not a bank in your community. If there's not a bank in your community, I'm not mad at you. But there is online banking and there are workarounds. We have to keep that in mind. We can't just stand behind the wall. There's no bank, so I have my money, my mattress, or a Nike box. There are options. A bank account is more than just a place to save your money. It's the beginning of your financial mindset. Yes. Like my mother used to say, you go to the bank, you meet the manager, you start to develop a relationship because that's where you're going to go when you want to buy a mortgage, you want a loan for a business, you want to go somewhere where people know you. Secondary, a bank is where you start learning about simple commercial financial tools like a mutual fund. It's right. a simple tool. You have a, once you get a little bit of money in a bank, someone's going to try and sell you a mutual fund. But you need to know what that is because it pays more than just a savings account. Money under a mattress can't cut it in 2017, 2018, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when I was a kid growing up, my granny always say, make sure you save your money. Make sure you save your money. And you know the question. Wait, wait, say that again. How did she say that? She said, "Make sure you save your money." Is that a ba- that's a Bayesian accent? Yeah, let me translate it for you. Make sure you save your money. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as I look, the same, my granny should have been saying to me, "Make sure you invest your money. Make sure you invest." We need to take savings out of the equation with black people and say invest because. Okay, wait. Let me ask you a quick question. Are there like markets to invest in in the Caribbean? Yeah, they have. There's, there's Barbados has its really own stock market. Trinidad has a stock market, definitely. Oh, and, yeah. and you can invest in each with groups of people and buy real estate together. I mean, this is a whole other show, but there's not just things outside the bank that you can do as well. And one thing I want to say though, you know, is that okay? When people do choose, as far as black people do choose to say, I'm going to open up a bank account. I'm going to bank my money. They do basic banking. Savings, checking, CDs, and and they give you. There's not. There's no CD or savings mm-hmm. account in America that pays more than two percent. So at the end of the day, this is what the bank wants you to do as our community. Oh, if you're going to give us your money, because you know what they do with that money? Then they loan that money out to other people and they make money off of you. So if you even decide to say, I'm going to save my money in the bank, yes, I'm not telling you not to put something in a savings check account, but all your money shouldn't be there. We need to invest. So the question is, like my granny should have been saying, make sure you invest your money. And when I invest, <laughs> I mean like Arlington says, look into mutual funds, look into bonds, look into real estate. Use the savings and CDs account. I like to call them just holding places for the big investment, where it's going to give you the higher return. They're just holding places. So it's no longer saving, it's investing. Yeah, no, true that, man. But that's what we're saying. When you have things like Black Wall Street, instead of being able to pass down that mindset, we've lost it. At the end of the day, you have to say, we've essentially lost that financial knowledge, that community financial support. Black Wall Street, you're going down, you're sitting with a man who looks like you, and you're telling him, this is what I'm trying to do, and he is invested in your success. Right. So he is telling you, okay, we need to put a little over here, we need to put a little over there. And I'm not saying that if you go to the bank just because the man doesn't look like you in 2018, he's not invested in your success, but let's be real, it's a different dynamic. All right? It's a slightly different dynamic. But you still have to have that conversation. But that's what we've lost. Because without that financial knowledge, again, starting the business is a little harder because you don't know, how do I get a loan? You think I have to save all the money myself. Buying a home becomes a little trickier. What's the first step? Is it credit? Is it cash? Who knows? We have lost the roadmap to investing in our financial And the younger people, I'm going to say this, though. The older generation, what I would say 40 and above, need to start setting an example for the younger generation. Because this morning, I had a gentleman, and once again, come all the way from Queens to speak to me because he says I, he can relate to me and see the path that I'm on. So you people 40 and above that are listening to the show, you need to start investing and setting examples and teaching what you teach to the younger generation. Because they want to learn. Trust me. This generation wants to learn. And it's up for us to set the example. 
But just to layer in um, to what you were saying, Arlington, earlier, um, according to a Federal Res uh, Deposit Insurance Corporation study, mm -hmm. uh, Black-owned banks made about 67% of the mortgage loans to black borrowers in 2011. That was 2011. I wish I could find wow. something more recent. But do you see... Banks, yes, 67% of the mortgages. So do you see the importance of why we need to look at our black-owned yeah, banks? Yeah, for sure. They are giving us the access, yeah. right? So compared to with you know the other major chains, mm -hmm. uh, only 1%. Yeah. were made to the black yeah. community. Yeah. Um, just to give you an idea of the top banks in the country, mm -hmm. um, we have the number one bank, One United. It's about 50 years old, actually, the largest yeah, that's an old of one. them all. Yeah, you, and they're based in Boston. You've got Liberty Bank and Trust Company. They've got 21 branches uh, in New Orleans. Uh, number three is Citizens Trust. They're headquartered in Atlanta. They have about 10 branches. Uh, number four is Industrial Bank in D.C., and number five, drum roll please, was <laughs> the Harbor Bank of Maryland. And just to, just to add into what Dion was saying, um, to, if you want to bank black, you know, just looking more closely at One United, it's amongst the country's largest black-owned bank. It offers second chance checking for customers who have been denied an account in the past Secured, probably secured credit card for those rebuilding damaged credit and education for first time home buyers. Check it out, my good people. No, I think, see, that's important. That's what we're talking about. If a bank focuses on the community, it will base its business around some of the challenges that its community has. So if people have had problems with checks in the past, they're going to offer checking services. If there's a lack of, in, of education, they're going to offer educational services. These are the important things of having your own community-owned and operated institutions. And you were talking about um, real estate, which comes up all the time. Yes. Did you know that wealthy black Americans tend to have 41% of their holdings in real estate? I believe it. Compared to 22% I believe of the it. others, we'll say? That's tangible. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. It's yeah, tangible. Exactly. Going back to the tangibles, we invest in tangible assets. We want to invest in things we can see and touch. And I'm not going to be mad at you if you say, hey, nothing wrong with I that. bought a house. There's nothing wrong with that. But as you said, and as we've shown in previous shows, investing in the market grows money over time. And sometimes it grows it at a faster rate than the average home. Arlington, statistically, you may remember... If we had to compare it one to one over yes, extended, the market one. it still the wins every time. Over time. It, every time. Because not all markets are New York or Los Angeles. You own a home in Indiana, that thing is not flying up 300% in a year or 200%. It's a much more steady thing, which grows at, I believe we said before, it moves at the rate of inflation. That's right. Typically. That's right. So we have to diversify. As Sean's mother said, give me, give me the thing, what would she say one more to your grandmother? Make sure you invest. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, guess what? It's mailbag time. Nice. Let's see. What do we got? All right. So, uh, Michaela from Dayton, Ohio, she asks, are there any black investment firms on Wall Street? Michaela, when we first started working on this show, I was under the assumption there were going to be tons of black banks on Wall Street. And through my research, I didn't really find any. So I found one. Um, I found one bank. One. Uh, one bank. Really. That had. It started out as a black bank and eventually Bell, by Daniel Bell, and then it merged with Weinberg, which today it's now Weinberger and Bell. I found another one called the M.R. Beale Company, and they merged with another institution, and they're now called Blaylock Robert Van. But. I need to be corrected because the other night I went out to dinner with some friends who are in the investment banking world, mm -hmm. and they gave in me... In Malibu, yes. California. No, no, actually here in Brooklyn. And I said to my friend, I said, you're an investment banker. Are there any black-owned banks? Because I can't find any. So she gave me a list. There's Amazing. Like, there's a rice firm. There's a gentleman uh, by the name of Tavis Richardson. There's Willie Woods. There's Chris Williams. So, yes, there are some investment Black-owned investment bank out there. Hope is alive. We are out there doing our thing. Find them and consider having that conversation. That's good stuff, Rollin. I think what's sad, though, has how hard it was to oh, actually yeah, yeah. find that information. Dion. See, this is why Dion is great. 
Dion, you know why you don't find them? Because they don't list themselves as minority-owned firms. Ah. Because they they just list themselves as an investment bank. Mm-hmm. And so when you put in black-owned, you're not going to find them. Because there's a misconception that because it's a black-owned, it doesn't perform as well. And I'm, I don't want to shoot in another stats, and I, wanna, I don't want to walk on your toes, Dion, but you know, as a proud black brother that I am and the good returns that I do, I want to let everybody know that is a myth, Okay. In fact, 28.4% of minority-owned mutual funds and 27.8% of minority-owned hedge funds perform in the top quartile, the top 25%. So we know our numbers, we know our math, and we do well. So just because it's black-owned fund or mutual, don't think you're going to get less of a return. You're going to outperform the average person out there. So keep it black. Black power. Nice. Feel me? You don't know what that means, Arm. You feel me? You know what, Sean? I really have nothing more to add to that. He's yeah, right. he dropped the mic on that one. You know what? He dropped the mic. Let's move on. <laughs> Two black guys with good credit. We're talking black power, money power. We're doing it, people. NicknightDirect.com is the fast, easy way to shop online. To buy an item from any U.S. website, just go to NicknightDirect.com. That's N-I-C-N-A-T Direct.com. Choose your method of payment and we'll ship, handle duties, and deliver your item straight to your door. I'm Sean of NicknightDirect.com and you have my word. All right, people, so... Two black guys with good credit. We are talking black power, money power. We've talked about the fact that we got to change our mindset from picking up all the shiny objects and focusing on banking, investing, making our money work for us. And now we're going to look at a few other things. And I'm going to start with this statistic that just blew me away. Did I say statistic? Statistic that just blew me away. Of every dollar spent in this country, and we've already deduced that we spend $1.3 trillion, two cents of that dollar, two cents goes back to a black-owned business. Wait, let's just stop. So you're talking about two cents. One, two. One, two. Not two dollars. Two cents. Two pennies. Ouch. Your money is your money, as my man Sean always said. Says. You're either using that to help yourself in your community or not. And clearly, at two cents, people, we are not. So if I go down and go into a black barbershop and just drop four cents on the ground, I've given more than what the average person is giving. You've doubled. I've doubled. You've doubled what the average person is going. And the real question you have to say is, okay, we give ourselves two cents. What is happening to the other 98 cents of our dollar? How are you looking at other communities like, wow, look what's going on with them. Well, you gave them 98 cents of your dollar. We gave them 98 cents of our dollar. You know, that's why, you know what, not to go off topic, but that's why you can't knock the Jewish community. I mean, they really take their time to keep their money within their community. Yeah, you can't knock any community that keeps their money within their community. For sure. So just to, just to give you an idea, this is all it would take. If we just spent nine cents of our collective dollar with a black-owned business, we could employ every single man, woman, and child within the black community. That's what PurchasBlack.com claims, the founder, Brian Williams. For so, an extra seven yeah, cents. Yeah, extra seven cents. So it only takes one dime to solve the unemployment problem. Wow. A dime. Black Wall Street people. I think we need to get more honest about the absence of black wealth in our society. I believe that celebrities mask what's really happening in our community African-Americans see Jay-Z purchasing title for $56 million. They go, oh, we got it. We've up, we've, we've, we've uprised as a black people. But we haven't. That's one individual. We should, we should celebrate him, but understand that the, gener- the, the struggle is within our entire community. You know, African-Americans keep confusing these celebrities' exceptionalism with economic progress. That's 1.1% of the population of blacks. We're still bankrupt we're still filing broke we're still neg one out of every five is still worth negative zero you know we need to start filling the boardrooms with with successful african americans and 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 so forth and looking at working together and and get real economic progress not individual progress no what you're saying is true but you know sometimes you look at the things that we've uncovered in this show and you're like is it by design 
Or is it really yeah. just happenstance? If it's by design, I say, so what? We know it, and now we can make a change about it because instead of putting two cents, everybody go to the barbershop, go to the beauty salon, drop four cents in there because we know it. Even if it's by design, we can change that design. Exactly. That's black power. I always tell gentrification can be resolved by owning. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that is a very good point. I mean, it, it can get more complicated, but yeah. And I think when you talk about the fact that we get caught up in the excellence of a few, that is also a theory of why that happens. It's one of the things that people call co-optation. It's one of the things that purports a capitalist system. You show people the successes and they don't focus on the failures or the, the troubled spots. And I think we need to get back to that. But let's just, let me not go too far off, off the um, point at hand. Let me get off my um, Farrakhan box. <laughs> As they say, I was an attendee at the Million Man March a million years ago. Watching on TV doesn't count. What we really need to do is, like Sean says, you can overcome gentrification by ownership. And when it comes to black businesses, if we owned more of them, we could increase the circulation of our dollars and we could empower those businesses to do the things that get us back to Black Wall Street. They start to, because black businesses, those are the businesses that are going to hire within. Those are the businesses that are going to uplift the community. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are going to share their money in the circle of our community to uplift that community. If we're spending a trillion dollars, people, it's about where are you spending that trillion? One thing I want to say, one thing I want to say, and this is why, you know, all jokes aside, why I always praise Arlington, you and your wife. And, you know, Arlington's saying start black, own black, doesn't mean that if you start a black business, own a black business, it doesn't have to just service our community. So many people come into our community and take from us and service us. You can think of a business service outside of our community. Arlington and Jackie have a store in Malibu, California. I don't think all their population is African-American, but they do good things with the the return on their investment and bring it back to the community. So I don't want, when we talk about owning black business, you can think outside of your comfort zone and push the envelope. That's where we need to go so that we were buying black. So when I when I buy bags from my store, it's owned by a black company. When I go to the bank and deposit my money, it's owned black. When I look to buy, to outsource things, it's black. That's how we grow as a community, not always thinking within our community. Very good point. One bright light mm-hmm. I wanted to bring to the show is that uh, statistics are showing that more black female-owned businesses exist today than ever before. Carol's daughter. Yes. Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Fenty, uh, black female-owned businesses are number one in employing black people. Did you know this? If we own the business, guess who we employ? Yeah, yeah. So when we buy black, we're empowering our community, as we talked about in so many ways. Uh, we're creating products and services that truly meet our needs. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Rihanna is a perfect example of this with her makeup line, Fenty. You know, she is not just the face of the brand, like many people may think. She's one of the owners. You know, she had to get her funding. She was involved in the project from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. But what she didn't do wasn't rocket science. All she did was make it inclusive. And as Sean says, you know, she's actually, you know, catering to the very pale, to the most darker shade. She made $72 million in the first month. I kid you not. She made the times top innovators for 2017. Because what did she do? She, she actually created a cultural shift right. in makeup right. in the industry. Right. So do you see the power we have when we own and we can influence? <laughs> Not to mention, we know how much we spend on makeup, hair, So let's talk care. media. Let's yeah. talk fashion, technology, if we're owning these companies. Right. Ownership is key. It's key. And I'm going to be probably the most hated guy in the podcast world, but I'm going to say this. Because the truth shall be told. You know, we pour a lot of money into the churches. As black people, we're very religious and we love the church. I think we do a whole show just on this alone. (laughs) But for all those pastors driving those fancy Cadillacs, and for all those people that are going to these churches and doing these great offerings, it's time we as a community... Do you mean we need to take a special collection for the building fund? (laughs) (laughs) No. Always the building fund. (laughs) We need to leverage the resources we gather from the church. And I'm sure there's people in the church that have business-minded and start start different um, sections within the church where it's just about building finances, building your own communities, building your own homes, building your own grocery stores, building your own laundromats. Those are things that need to be action plans in the churches. Can I, can, I, can I interrupt you, my brother, and tell you a quick little story? You surely can, Arlington. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dion. Sean, is that okay? Go ahead. 
All right, this guy came by my store one day and he was telling me he knew a guy that wanted to buy a mall. This is back in the day. He wanted to buy a mall and he went to the bank to get funding. This guy is Jewish. Right, right. So he wanted to buy a mall. He needed some funding. He went to the bank. The bank was willing to give him the funding, but at a rate that he felt was too high. So he wasn't sure what to do. He tried to crowdsource some people, had no success. He went to his synagogue. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, I want to buy this mall. If you give me the money to buy this mall, I will repay you plus a specific return on your investment within a specified period of time. And it was basically the time frame in which he would have gotten the loan from the bank, but he was willing to pay them back because they were going to give him less of an interest rate. So they gave him the money. He bought the mall. He paid them back. They made a return on their investment. A light bulb went off in that synagogue where they said, wait a second. We can do this for more people. Mm -hmm. That church, the synagogue, Mm -hmm. is now one of the largest landowners in California. They do deals now starting from 30 to 100 million dollars. There you have it. And they advance you the money. You buy what you need to buy. You pay them back plus a return. So when we talk about the role of the church... It's always been the backbone of the black community. And I'm not saying churches out there aren't doing great things. We're just saying that maybe we should consider doing more. Can I, can I just add to that, Arlington? When I was in high school, living in the projects of Canada in Hetherington, all right, I was in high school, and one of my, one of my Jewish friends said to me, we want to buy a building, we want to get you involved. I don't know why they asked me, but they did. And I knew nothing about real estate. And I don't know how much money we needed. Say we needed $5,000. I said, well, I don't know where I'm going to get that money. I said, where are you guys going to get that money from? He said, we go to the rabbi. And we tell the rabbi what our idea was. And the rabbi goes to the congregation and they source the money. Just to put things into perspective, gentlemen, there was a 2013 study that revealed that black churches have collected more than 420 Billion dollars. No, <laughs> you said B, you said four hundred twenty billion dollars, and that's since nineteen eighty. And that was a two thousand thirteen study. So that's an average of two hundred and fifty-two million dollars a week. All right. So there's a gentleman. His name is Byron Woolard. He he wrote a book called The Pawn Queen, and he noted that money spent tithing could buy as many as ninety over ninety-three thousand homes valued at one hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> you could pay tuition for up to uh, you know pay tuition up to fifteen thousand a year mm-hmm. for over nine hundred and thirty three college students and feed every homeless person in America for a year. Yeah, because it's not that we don't have what's clearly evident in this show. It's not that we don't have the yes. money. It's how we allocate the resources that we have. That is the the difference maker. I can't stress the importance of the church. This show is always built about leaving with an action plan. And I think the church alone can catapult us to the next level as far as creating generational wealth and building within our community. But another important factor to, to add to that is really about intergenerational wealth or inheritance. It's so important that, you know, less than 10% of black families actually leave money for, their, for, our, for the next generation, while our counterparts are three times more than likely to leave something. So look at the jumpstart. Look at the, average, the competitive advantage that they have. We're looking from a competitive... Mm-hmm. The average household reports is less... And what, when we do leave, we leave... 71% of us leave less than $3,000. I mean, what is that? Yeah, a lot of us leave bills. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wait, talk about competitive advantage. I'm leaving you in a competitive hole. Right. Exactly. And, you know, for me, my important thing is my what I want to do in my life is really leave my two sons with zero debt, with the buildings that I have paid off in full. And if I can do that, then I think I've lived a full life. True. Wait, what are you leaving me, bro? (laughs) Bro. Nothing? (laughs) Love is in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Love is cheap. (laughs) Well, another thing I think which is really important and often missed in these conversations about finance, Black Wall Street... I keep saying it, people, because it really is a beacon to go back to look at. One of the things that was key there is education. Mm -hmm. Education. Mm -hmm. We had black doctors and dentists and lawyers and business people. These were educated people. In this day and age where we're falling out of the education strata, how are we going to be financially successful? And I understand not everyone's going to go to college, but listen, if you are able to get that BA, you're five times likely to have a higher medium, 
median income yes. in this country. And like I said, look, everybody's not going to go to college. But Sean said a key thing a little while ago. If you don't go to college, if you've been to college, talk to people that haven't gone to college. Share your knowledge. You can't just keep it for yourself. If you understand finance, share it with someone that doesn't understand. And, I, you know, we do this in our business all day. Two Black Guys started from conversations Sean and I have, but we've had those conversations with other people. And in our business, my wife and I, we talk to our staff about money all the time. We try to create a little educational funnel through our business because we want our staff to have businesses and to be successful. And I would say to our credit thus far, we've increased our staff's knowledge of finance. Nice. We've increased credit scores. I've had some staff come to me with credit scores that made my hair on the back of my Amazing. neck stand up. And now they're like, you know what? I'm seven this. I'm seven that. We've taught them how to budget, how to money manage. And overall, they've become more aware of the power of their dollar. And now my staff turns to me and says, well, you know, boss, Sean always says your money is your money. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I got picked up by my cousin and he picked me up in a brand new leased car in Barbados. And I said, what happened to your old car? He said, Sean, I listened to your show and I realized that the same money that I got by selling this car put down on a payment on my lease car and my payments are less. And now I have no more headaches as far as cars. And even furthermore, today we had a gentleman, a boy sitting in here that knew nothing about podcasts and we like sit in, educate yourself on what podcasting is all about. So, I mean, that's about giving back. Go ahead, Dion. And it's about educating, you know, there's so much information at your fingertips and there's so many, so many ways to educate yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I have an interesting story for you, just going back to this whole idea of you don't necessarily have to be the top of your class, but at least get the education that you need to succeed. Mm -hmm. There's a gentleman called Daniel Goleman. He was uh, giving a talk to a room full of CEOs. And when he asked him, so how many of you are, were valedictorian uh, or the smartest you know, student in your class? Right. Okay, so out of 300, guess how many raised their hand? Five. Three. Right. Three raised their hand. This is a room full of CEOs. All right, so all this to say, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, the brainiac of the class. Right. But it at least gets you in the game. You can relate to that, Arlington. You, you know, and the stats hey, don't lie. Hey, I didn't crush it in college, I'll tell you. The goal is, through. right, but the goal is to narrow that wealth gap. Mm -hmm. And education can, is directly tied to that. Exactly. So, Dion, didn't you have another story about a rap artist that did something really interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can't close out without just, again, going back to Banking Black, right? So uh, in July of 2016, uh, there was a, a rapper by the name of Killer Mike. Mm -hmm. um, this was when all of the, you know, all of the, you know, the, the violence against um, unarmed men. And it was just a really, you know, a tumultuous time. Right. And they held a town hall in MTV and BET. Mm -hmm. And rather than coming out there just ranting and, you know, he said, you know what? Let's bring a call to action. I want everyone, he called for a million people, black people, to deposit $100 into a black bank. Wouldn't you know, social media spread the word, hashtags bank black, move your money, went viral. And in just nine months, $60 million was moved to black-owned wow. banks. Do you see the power yeah. in what we can do when we come together? Yeah. yeah, we always think the dollars aren't there, but when you're spending a trillion dollars, when you're only putting two, committing two cents of every dollar to your community, the dollars will appear to not be there because you're giving 98% of those dollars to everybody else. And that's the shift we need to make. Two black guys with good credit. We're talking black power, money power. We're keeping it real. Matt? Thanks, Arlington. This sponsorship break is brought to you by CLEAN. CLEAN is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We are talking black power, money power. Look, people, it's all here. We have the money. It's how we use the money. We have bank accounts. Are they the right accounts? We're buying real estate. Should we be investing in equities along with that? We have to make different choices because the money's here. We're giving money to church. Can the church do other things with it? 
They're black banks. Are we supporting them? The information's here. The stats are here. And most of all, the money is here. It's how we choose to use it. Two black eyes. Keep that in mind. We're talking black power, money power. Yes, Arlington. And just to give you a few resources on the way out, um, when we say bank black, we're not saying just bank blindly. You can certainly still do your research, right? There is a, a, a resource called Bank Black USA. They give you a full spreadsheet and all the, all the bank, uh, black-owned banks throughout the U.S. Say that 10 times fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they give you um, all the details on that bank. They grade them on the products that they offer, the impact on their community, etc., Um, When we talk about owning, there's a lot of support uh, systems out there. Uh, Black Enterprise lists the top 10 grants available to black and minority-owned business owners. They also have seven top grants or free money for black women entrepreneurs. Uh, So keep that in mind. And please email us your questions at tbgwgc at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or CastBox, wherever you listen to us. Like OrangeMen98, who said, I love it. Educational, informative, and presented in a way that I can understand. Thank you, Orangeman98. That's exactly what we're going for. And that's it for me. I'm Dion, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And I'm out. Who, 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 who? I'm going out like I came in. Fellow Wakandaites, never give up your power. Black money power is real. Let's be the community that invests 4% more than everybody else instead of the community that spends 4% more than everybody else. Lastly, two cents. People, two cents? Come on, man. Do you know what our community would look like if that number was 25 cents? Think about that. Wakanda out. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I can top Arlington this week, but I'll tell you this. Money is a tool to obtain wealth, and it must be used correctly. You must work towards allowing your money to work for you and not you. My investments support my lifestyle. My investments pay for my car, my home, and my travel. If your paycheck is not being used towards investments that will begin to work for you, then you're not spending your paychecks correctly. Through the power of education, people, buying property, pooling resources, and passing on to the next generation, we can close that gap and get our 40 acres and a mule. I'm out. Your money is your money. Keep it where it belongs in your damn pocket. When you're not opening presents this holiday season, try smashing your way through some tricky chocolate-coated levels on Candy Crush Saga. In between dinner and dessert, switch and match. During one of Uncle Mike's long stories, master the candy. There are thousands of levels to play in the all-time favorite classic match-three game. Get that sweet feeling this holiday with Candy Crush Saga. Download it now from the App Store or Google Play for free.